0: Hello, it is 10 a.m. in New York, 4 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 9 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to In Transit with Sunday Bean. I'm an intercultural strategist, transformation facilitator, and solution-oriented coach. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed through any life transition. When thinking of today's guest, this quote came to mind. From Margaret Mead, never underestimate the power of a small group of committed people to change the world. In fact, it is the only thing that ever has. Her story is inspiring. The legacy she is creating, jaw-dropping. And the hope she offers is what I think we need right now, especially when you put it into context with Jaime May Cascio's work on the banny world we're currently living in brittle, anxious, nonlinear, and incomprehensible. We need unique approaches to enduring problems, and our guest today is deeply committed to helping achieve that, and has been for decades. I would like to welcome Dr. Zafra Lehrman to In Transit. Welcome, Dr. Lehrman.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: It's a really a huge pleasure, and I want, there are many people who probably already know your work, but for those who are unfamiliar, I'm going to quickly introduce you. Dr. Zephyr Lehrman is an American-Israeli chemist, educator, and humanitarian. She's a president of the Malta Conference Foundation, which aims to promote peace via scientific diplomacy. She's been successful in preventing executions, releasing prisoners from jail, and bringing dissidents to freedom. In addition to that, she's the recipient of more awards than I have time to name for education and science diplomacy, including the 1999 Presidential Award from U.S. President Clinton, 2015 Science Diplomacy Award from the American Association for Advancements of Studies, and multiple Nobel Peace Prize nominations. <laughs> But what we have in common is something that happened in South Africa. Do you want to share about the award you got in South Africa, Dr. Lehrman?
1: Oh, sure. I got the Jose Vasconcelos gonzalez Award for Education from the World Cultural Council. The World Cultural Council has three uh, awards. They have the Albert Einstein for Science They have the Leonardo da Vinci for art, and they have the Jose Vasquez Salas for education. I got it for combining science and art. And because every year it's in another country, uh, when I got the uh, note that I am receiving the award, I just prayed that it will be anywhere, but not in the US. I was so lucky that the award was given in South Africa, and it was the first uh, international award in the new democratic South Africa, so it was an experience out of this world.
0: I can only imagine. I know. Not only do we have South Africa in common, that you went to Eteha in Zurich, so there is a Swiss connection as well, which I find wonderful. <laughs> so you, when I was looking, you know, to learn more about you, um, one of the things that struck me was in an acceptance speech from one of the awards that you received, you mentioned that your dream was to fight for human rights and to make science more accessible, and to create peace in the Middle East. And the thing that struck me was you've actually spent decades of your life doing all of those things. So my question to you is, can you help me understand your life has truly been exceptional and your work is truly exceptional? Can you help us understand how you got to where you are today?
1: Thank you very much for all the compliments but uh, yes uh, I came from a family that always uh, fought for change and for the betterment of humankind and it was instilled in me in very very young age and uh, I started my career like every scientist you know you get bachelor master PhD in science. Then I had to go to the US. I got my PhD from the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel, in chemistry. And then I came for postdoc to the US, to Cornell University. And there, my the professor I worked with was very involved in mm-hmm. arms control, disarmament, human rights, and I got immediately involved with him on these issues, I really uh, was bothered by going to scientific meeting and see how homogeneous it is.
0: Mm It's not
1: diverse at all. And I decided to go and teach the underprivileged, after being in, uh, at Cornell, Northwestern, mm. at Switzerland, White mm-hmm. Institute in Israel, uh, I joined a interesting college that the president was very, very uh, visionary. Uh, it was in Chicago, Columbia College. Uh, it's very different now than it was when the president was Mike Alexandrov that wanted a college with an open admission, that anybody that want to go to college can go, uh, even if they didn't do very well in high school, and especially in the arts, if they did not have a portfolio to show. And it was a very high percentage minority, mm-hmm. and he surrounded himself by people like him. So when he looked around when Columbia was accredited as a liberal arts college and did not have any science, uh, he looked around for a person that will be involved in uh, uh, arms control and disarmament and human rights. And he offered me just to come and build science from scratch. And when I saw... The student there, first in registration, uh, nobody ever registered because they didn't, They never had science and probably most of the faculty never had science, so they did not encourage their student. My first class was uh, chemistry in daily life. So the way I attracted them is... Uh, by taking them to a bar across the street uh, letting (laughs) them order what they want and then asking what are these weird names, you know, Bloody Mary, uh, Scudai, all that, and everybody said it's it's, uh, this juice with alcohol. Anyhow, the word alcohol repeated itself, then I asked them what is alcohol, they said it's something that makes you high. Oh, I said, yes, but I showed them on the envelope the structure and all that uh, on a napkin, and all got very involved in that, and even the whole bar became part of this (laughs) And then in the bar, there was a salad. So we ordered salad with oil and vinegar. I asked them what is vinegar and explained to them that it's acetic acid. Then I showed them how alcohol can combined with acetic acid uh, and the, the product that is called an ester can be used sometimes for nail polish remover or oh, they were shocked that they, uh, they just formed the nail polish remover in their stomach and I said no no it's something called catalyst it gave me opportunity and at the end of that, I said the semester is 15 weeks. You already had the first week of chemistry. You have only 14 more to go. So <laughs> it will be registered for my class, but I learned from that, that if you teach in a way that is relevant to the student's mm-hmm. life, to the student interest, and then instead of multiple uh, questions test, my students showed their knowledge using their major. So they could show their knowledge to art, music, dance, drama. For example, theater students uh, did a project. They followed Romeo and Juliet and Mm. they did a love story between sodium and chlorine. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) table salt. Table salt. It's exactly like Romeo and Juliet. Only they change it to scientific terms, and uh, then because when you put salt in water and it dissolves, it's the sodium and chlorine are separated. They it's a Shakespeare tragedy. So then in the theater, uh, the water came and. Uh, Mm -hmm. After the marriage between Sergei and Floyd, they (laughs) separated, and then they ended it by everybody standing with a plaque saying, learn to take every tragedy in a grain of, and the couple was this song.
0: (laughs) Okay, now I understand why you've won so many awards because, I, you know, I saw what you were doing, but I didn't really understand until you just shared this story with me. That is you know why
1: I, I don't have in front of me now because my former students just put these projects on the YouTube so everybody mm. can see it. I'll send it to you by email and you will yes. be able to share it. There is another one on the Bond father, that follows the Godfather, Mm. uh, explain all the uh, chemical bond. Uh, There is a Star War that is exactly like Star War, but this is on the depletion of the ozone layer. A music student wrote a song, I Have Plenty of Ozone, from Fiddler on the Roof, I have plenty of nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now I
0: see how why this is so inclusive, right? Because people can draw from something that's culturally familiar or get engaged with the right. other side of their brain and, and make it happen. So we could spend the entire time talking about that. But what actually caught my attention as an interculturalist is what you do with your conference in Malta. You you call it uh, scientific diplomacy. And uh, from an intercultural perspective, we we say that contact isn't enough, right? Uh, You need to have a common goal and a power equalizer. And this is exactly what you've done in Malta. Can you share a little bit about the conference science Scientific diplomacy and what it's really about.
1: It's titled really "Frontier of Science, Innovation, Research and Education in the Middle East: A Bridge to Peace." And the idea behind it. By the way, this November we'll have a big anniversary celebrating the 10th Malta Conference. When when. I came with this idea, everybody thought that I'm completely crazy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, because the idea was uh, at first to involve all the Middle East countries, mm-hmm. scientists from all the Middle East countries, not just Israel and Palestine, where the yeah. biggest conflict is. Uh, later, other people realized that it's a good idea. We were the first one, and still the only one in the world, came mm-hmm. together under the same roof uh, for five days, scientists from all the 15 Middle East countries Plus now Morocco and Pakistan, they are not in the Middle East, but they decide mm-hmm. to ask to join, and we are That's including fabulous. them. Uh, you have there uh, Syria, Iran, Iraq, uh, Israel, Palestine. All the countries are there, and always several Nobel laureates. Yep.
0: and
1: the number it's by invitation only, mm-hmm.
0: and. It,
1: five days that everybody stays in the same hotel Mm. equality always was the lead in my life everybody's equal from the graduate student to the Nobel Mm. Prize they Mm. all stay in the same hotel they Mm. all eat all the meals together
0: Mm. and
1: then we have interactive workshops on issues that are important to the region, but to the whole world. And it's climate change, it's water, it's a, a biological, chemical, and nuclear safety, and security. And they work on these issues, everybody together, and form collaborations mm-hmm. in friendship that overcome the chasms of distrust and intolerance. At the end of the conference, you think it was a family reunion. Right, right. People hug, saying goodbye. People, uh, it's just unbelievable, the Mm -hmm. relationship. Now, I always say science diplomacy can succeed where other forms of diplomacy fail. Because Mm -hmm. science is international, it does no borders, religion, culture, language. I always like to say that a scientist in Bethlehem, a chemist in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and a chemist in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) from the West Bank can communicate to each other without knowing each other's uh, language. And uh, we have a lot of collaboration on the issues of water or science education for all, because I'm still making sure, because I always said that we will have two societies in the future that will not be divided by royalty, but will be divided by knowledge of science and technology. Mm,
0: mm. And
1: therefore, we have to bring science education to all diverse groups. By the way, I adopted the Soweto school system when I was in, uh, in South Africa and helped them to adopt these methods of teaching science. So I spent a lot of time with the kids in Soweto and with the... Mm. HR and for your audience that don't know, it's a place where two Nobel Peace Prize uh, winners were born Mandela and Bishop Tutu. So, yeah. this is a very special place. So,
0: that's amazing. You, you, when you're speaking, I have tears in my eyes because I think what we have in common um, is this true knowing that we can strip away all of that and find something, the humanity in each other, right? And if we do, if we do the work, and while I was, I, I'm, I'm very emotional right now because I do believe it's possible. And I think right now it's so hard because the polarized world right now that we're living in is painful to see. And I know this isn't the first time we've seen polarization on the planet. I'm not naive to that. But when I was watching your videos and I was watching people come together um, and that's those smiles and crossing gender boundaries, national boundaries, language boundaries, religious boundaries, all of that and seeing each other as humans. I wrote down, you can't hate who you love. Like you, it's impossible to hate someone as soon as you see the humanity in them or you see yourselves in them, in the other. How did you come to this idea? I mean, this is a brilliant like a Trojan horse approach (laughs) to work on peace. And I just want to tell
1: you, uh, I, I'm a chemist. So I'm a member and fellow of the American chemical society. And I chaired the subcommittee on scientific freedom and human rights. I always say from its inception till it was dissolved in 2011 for 26 years. And sure, this committee worked very hard on uh, human rights in the Soviet Union first, and then in China, and Cuba, and all the world. And this is where other miracles happened, bringing people mm-hmm. to freedom. But after September 11 in the U.S., where the Twin Towers were attacked, September 11, 2001, I told my committee, subcommittee, that we have to pay attention to the Middle East. And uh, we brought, I brought the idea as a matter of fact, to the American Chemical Society. And I said, first, we have to involve all the Middle East. Nobody ever took this approach. Everybody Mm -hmm. concentrated just on Israel and Palestine, the Israelis and the Palestinian, but this is not enough. The, mm-hmm. We need stability in the whole area. So it's still the only platform in the mm-hmm. world that brings under one roof for five days. Mm-hmm. So I suggested to have this conference in what in the Middle East, it was the height of the Intifada, The the Intifada is the uprising of the Palestinian. Suicide bombs were uh, going all over. And I just saw that as a solution to the terrible situation. Mm -hmm. And scientists in most of the countries have a very, very special status in the society. Mm
0: -hmm. Very, Mm -hmm.
1: Very and they have influence on their uh, government too. Now, science is not so innocent. Science mm-hmm. is responsible for a very, very bad things in the world, including weapon of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. So governments really need scientists for good and for bad. And this was my idea that therefore they have a special status that they will be able to influence a uh, mm-hmm. government and this is when I came with the idea. I had in this conference, it was an American Chemical Society national conference, I remember it till now in Orlando, Florida. And <laughs> I had there because I took delegation to Cuba. This was the scientific freedom of our scientific freedom because Mm -hmm. we couldn't travel. We needed a license from the treasury department. But in this national conference, I had Cuban scientists that I managed to get visa for and brought them there. And they were telling me that when I came with my idea, they thought the bomb fell in the room because the scientists (laughs) Was unbelievable. You could hear people breathing, and nobody said a word because it was like such never even happened before. Wait. Never happened before, and really we were quite worried before the first conference, will everybody from all these countries come? Will they right. be able to come? Will the Palestinian will be able to arrive on time and go through all the checkpoints and all the right. uh, oh obstacles that they have? And But there were a lot of uh, lucky things that happened along mm. the way. Mm-hmm. That, uh, we could uh, do it I, I i don't know how much time we have to talk but let me mm-hmm. just say it's not such an easy conference to pull the visa problem in this fractured world
0: mm-hmm. is
1: practically becoming hell becoming much much more complicated than when we started mm. so this is writing a book how yeah every conference at the end, how we get the visa. And as a matter of fact, I just, in the stages of finish this book, and then it's explained in detail what you have, what I personally had to go through. But it's usually coincidence, Mm -hmm. impact, connections. Before the Malta conference, I happened to, uh, to go to a lecture By Yehud Olmer, that was the Deputy Prime Minister of Israel by that time. And he was giving a lecture to the Chicago Council of Global Affairs. It was early in the morning. As I told you, I'm a night person. So I almost did not go. But then I said, oh my God, what if everybody will be like me? To whom I have to go. Mm-hmm. But this was part of the success of Malta one, because wow. as he finished the talk, I gave him the list of 10 Palestinians. And I said, I want all of them to arrive. No problems with a smile mm-hmm. on their face. When they arrived, all of them, they were smiling and told the story how somebody from a hood owner's office called them on their cell phone. One was in a grocery store, one was in a oh. bank and said, we have to help you to go smoothly to the conference in Malta. But one condition, you have to come with a smile on your face.
0: <laughs> you have an amazing way with people. I see that you can <laughs> you can move mountains. You know There was um, a, a phrase that you had in one of your talks um, that you're looking for to create a chain reaction for peace Correct. in the chain region. Reaction
1: for peace. Have a critical mass of scientists to create the chain reaction to peace. Yes. For your audience that don't understand the terms, in order to have an atom bomb, you need critical mass for uranium, for example, in order to have a chain reaction that will cause the explosion. So I took these terms mm-hmm. from fast destruction. I said, I want a critical mass of scientists mm. to create a chain reaction for peace. So it's, a, it's Built on the atom. Bomb. Yeah.
0: So I'm wondering, what are you thinking right now when we look at the state of the world right now, 2022, I hope the tail end of the global pandemic, new, fresh war in Europe? And we know what's been going on on the continent of Africa and elsewhere for, for years. How are you seeing the world now?
1: I see the world in one of the worst stages that I can imagine because we talk a lot about Ukraine and Russia. We don't talk about Yemen. The situation there is terrible, terrible. Children are just dying of starvation. The country is destroyed. Ethiopia is a terrible situation, what's going on on there and I was in this uh, part of Ethiopia that is uh, almost being destroyed and it's Mm -hmm. the most beautiful part and now the Ukraine that you you, here you cannot even figure out what what, suddenly attacking and leveling off uh, cities, killing people, killing children, killing innocent people just for trying to have power. By the way, I was approached, if I will think about doing a Malta-style conference for scientists from uh, Russia and uh, Mm -hmm. Ukraine, maybe from the scientific point of view, they will Mm -hmm. be able to to solve it. And I was in the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. working on human rights in the 80s, where the situation there was uh, terrible, terrible. And I know what it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had to take a crash course in Russian so I could go in the middle of the night to meet this event without having a KGB translator. And (laughs) uh, so... I was it. there many times. I continued to go into Russia. I was in Kiev, a beautiful city. I was there after Chernobyl, by the way, the mm. incident of the power plant in Chernobyl. I made a little bit of explanation for people that did not hear about Chernobyl. And they were washing the buildings with water. Everything was radioactive, beautiful city. Where my mother was born. So, wow. it, it,
0: so it, how do you keep hope when you when you've seen everything you've seen? How do you uh, keep
1: hopeful? Let me tell you, it's getting harder and harder to keep hope because I never, ever thought that we will see a country just invading another country. We have not seen it for a long t- time. I understand that uh, everybody is afraid of a third world war, but I don't see how we'll, we'll avoid it mm-hmm. because uh, we have to, to remember that in second world war, it was one person, that the one mm-hmm. did, uh, to conquer the world. So I am very, very worried what is going on now in the world.
0: Mm. Yeah, very it's hard. It's hard.
1: Bad. Yeah, very mm-hmm. In the world. Yeah.
0: And I, it is and that's the thing about how how do we move forward, you know, in times of polarization and you that's when I look at what I've seen from your life's work that's what you've tried to combat is polarization through science. And when I feel powerless or when I look at the situation and then I I hear your story, it it actually gives me hope because I think you're obviously exceptional. Not everybody makes an impact um, in communities Thank you. like you do. I'm glad I met you, <laughs> but but you are also also human, just like everybody else, right? And so, if you can tap in to what your heart is calling you to do and and make a difference and take action, it does give me hope. But there's something I keep asking in the back of my mind: is you. <laughs> Are a woman in science back then it's hard enough to be a woman in science now like how did how did that go like was you being one of the few women in your field perhaps how you were able to create some of these unique unique ideas or was it just triple hard. <laughs>
1: First, I was already in high school, the only girl in my class. Mm-hmm. So, from a very young age, I had to struggle with this phenomenon. You know, when every girl in the teenager has the best girlfriends, my best girlfriends were all boys. I didn't have girlfriends in my class. Mm-hmm. So, I had to learn early enough to live in this world. But I remember when I was in in an ACS meeting, ACS is American Chemical Society, and I was sitting in the corridor and I had a badge. Uh, (laughs) Some men walked by and they said, are you a chemist? And I said, yes. And they said, you don't look like one. I said, thank you, I take it as a compliment. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh man. That's what I mean. I think you have a way where you, people just want to support you, right? They want, cause your ideas are amazing and your humor does help in hard situations.
1: <laughs> so if you don't mind,
0: we've talked a lot about the impact that you've made in the world. I'd love to turn to a little bit more personal view right now. One of the things I am committed to is ambitious transformation and transition and asking people who are successful about their transitions, transformation, and ambitions, because often we only see the results of all the hard work, but we don't get a glimpse of the human side of the person. So if you'll humor me, I would love to hear from you what transitions, whether they are global health, family, or professional, are you feeling right now?
1: The uh, transition is not uh, new to me because uh, uh, I think you can hear that I don't have an American accent. So in Texas, once they asked me, from, from where from where are you with this accent? I said, I'm from Chicago. They said, oh yeah. So, <laughs> so for sure, uh, coming to the States, very young, it's mm-hmm. a single mom with a mm-hmm. child. And in a world of science, there were a lot of obstacles and no money. <laughs> and <laughs> no money because postdocs did not make enough money. Sure. So and this was a very, very tough tris- transition. Mm-hmm. And I had to struggle with that. And managed to become successful in my career. I am now in the hardest transition I had in my life because I lost my husband just before the pandemic started. So not only that I lost him, suddenly you are isolated, no friends, no family. And I am a person that cannot do anything alone Mm. I never even could do my homework alone I needed another child to sit there I will not eat a lot Mm. so because eating for me is a social event and so it's a big big struggle uh, Mm. because I'm just cannot be alone and I am In a transition, but it's not uh, doing very well because Obviously. when all my life, as my mother said from the day I opened my eyes, I made their life so hard because I couldn't be alone for one second, and it mm-hmm. never
0: changed. Wow. Two
1: things never change from what she tells me, that I never needed sleep, but needed always company.
0: Mm-hmm. This is
1: now exactly wow. the same. And it's very, very tough. I cannot, it, 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 we traveled all over the world together. there. I was invited to lectures in a lot of places. His job was very high position in the United States Agency of International Development. Now I'm thinking I have to learn to travel alone. I'm now having invitations to Egypt, to Morocco, to Abu Dhabi. What do I get on a plane alone? How do you do it? And this is a very, very tough transition for me.
0: I can imagine. And that's what I call an external transformation. It was forced on you. It suddenly your your partner is gone and now you have to learn how to cope. So when I, when I think about this, I think about how can we shape our transformation? We can't always control it. What are you doing to shape this so it doesn't take the best of you?
1: Oh, let me tell you, it's a very interesting question because in addition of traveling the world, we had season tickets to the symphony, to the opera, mm, to the, band, mm. the theater. What do I do, go along?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I I have friends, but first uh, I knew it when my father passed away, my mother told me that all the couples that were such good friends suddenly take a distance. Couple mm. like couples. And then the women that were all divorced or widowed, you know, you need to have people in the same interest in you and Mm. it's not easy. So how do I solve not going along to the opera, to the symphony? I'm surrounded by former students of mine, now mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of them are all there, and I worked with graduate students from mm-hmm. Northwestern that helped me with the Malta conference. My husband was a lot of help on that. So I go with my, I take the students to the opera yeah. symphony, they benefit from all that. Yeah, and, uh, and I am not going alone. And so there are people who tell me they go alone. I, I cannot go alone. I if I'm in a restaurant and I see a person sitting alone, I'm so impressed. I couldn't. Mm. Mm. Right. So I'm surrounded by young people. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, easier to, take, to tell them you want to go to the
0: symphony. Oh, they're to- so lucky. They're so lucky. I wish I was in town. I would invite myself to the symphony. <laughs> they are very good, <laughs>
1: as you know, it's a, you know, the Chicago Opera and the Chicago Symphony are outstanding, but they are not cheap.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have to pay for two tickets. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, well, sometimes it's three, maybe because if they have a, a partner, I take both of them. <laughs> and and I, the only times during the week I have dinner is with former students or yeah. graduate students now. This mm. is how I'm dealing with that. And it's wonderful. And mm-hmm. it's You know, it's very nice to to, Mm -hmm. to be surrounded by young, ambitious students. It's wonderful, but there are periods that are tough. Mm. It's at night when you don't have to home to say good night, Mm. and it's morning when you don't have anybody to say good morning. Mm. This are tough, and the morning are tough is tougher than the evening.
0: The evening, I yeah. Thank you for sharing that.
1: The worst, the worst.
0: I I appreciate hearing that, and this is the thing. I'm I'm all about straight talk and the full experience of people's lives, right and there are people who are surrounding their loved ones and are struggling and to have lost someone during the same time. It's, it's, it's almost too much to bear. And it's, it's beautiful to hear how you are nurturing your intergenerational relationships, even when, even when it's hard. Yeah. So I don't even know, you know, for someone like you in the life that you've lived, I, I have this idea about ambition and my concept of ambition is it's, always in relationship to who we are and what our challenges are and what our desires are. And it is disconnected from scope or scale, like what other people think. So for me, being a, a, a very active person, it's ambitious for me to do less, right? Or when I was solo parenting after a terrorist attack in Burkina Faso and running my business, it was ambitious that my kids had clean underwear. So that's an example of ambitious in context for an individual. What is ambitious for you right now?
1: Uh, (laughs) It should be successful with the Malta conference and achieving Peace (laughs) is my biggest ambition to Mm. be able. And I have to admit that everybody heard about the Abraham Accord. uh, But we took a conference in 2015. We had the Malta Conference in Morocco. By that stage, we already negotiated relationship between Israel and Morocco. But, you know, th- what we do, you don't find it in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the less <laughs> we make a noise out of it because we don't do it for uh, uh, publicity. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so we have successes, as I said before, we had all the countries. So the first collaboration between Israel and The UAE was unveiled in a Malta conference on Zoom. Mm. So we have our share on all the changes you see, but we we don't work for publicity. Sometimes it's better to work quietly. There is another a rule for the Malta conferences that the Americans were ready to kill me for that is no accompanying members. You mm. cannot bring anybody with you because mm. we need the interaction. And yes. I always say, as chemists, we know that when we dilute a solution, the reaction is much slower, so we cannot dilute it. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, it was very hard to try mm. to put this concept. In. <laughs> but then I solved it by saying, everything is equal. Mm. Okay, mm. you want to bring your spouses? pay for them you will pay for the palestinian spouses because they're not paying and we need yep. the property. we need yep. the property.
0: Yep. that's beautiful any last words of wisdom for the listeners not to put you on the spot uh, yeah, no pressure
1: and, and, <laughs> a last word of advice get mm-hmm. yeah. Involved, get involved. Without getting involved, the world will just deteriorate. There are people, there are human rights abuses now all over. If we don't fight, they will be forgotten. All the human rights, uh, people from the Soviet Union said that knowing that we are fighting for them gave them the strengths to survive, yes. and if everybody will get involved, we can still make this world a better place for humankind.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your wisdom and for your time today. Um, you've had me in tears twice already on the call. It it means the world to me that you're you've taken the time to share a message and with me and with with the audience. So. I'm listening. I hope you listeners are listening because you've seen so much and you you've seen up close and personal what it means when when human rights are violated and you've seen what's possible when people come together. So thank you so much and thank you to everybody who's been listening today. This is in transit with Sunday Shander Bean. I will leave you with the words of Mother Teresa. I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples.